Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. As always, keep an eye out for our Q&A and discussion episodes. Until then, here's the Gospel from September 10th, 2017, the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won him over. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they ought to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember uh, seeing this movie, uh, this is years ago, this is like back in the mid-80s, and it was, uh, it was an interesting movie. It wasn't, wasn't really a big hit at all, uh, but I remember it. I remember seeing it a couple of times since. Um, Jack Lemmon is in it, and it's, the name of the movie is uh, Mass Called Mass Appeal. It was actually a Broadway, pretty successful Broadway play first, and then they made it into a movie. Um, Jack Lemon plays this priest. He's the pastor of this parish, and uh, really wealthy, wealthy parish in this, uh, you know, very upper class neighborhood. And uh, he loves it. He just a very loves being there. He's been there for a lot of years. He uh, loves being there. The people love him. He loves being loved. Um, they got a lot of money, so they treat him. They treat him really. They wine him and dine him. They're always taking him to country clubs for to golf and out to eat. He drives a really. He drives a Mercedes. It's like he's got it on a certain level. He's got it really good, and uh, he caters. He caters to the, his people. He um, never challenges them. He never, never challenges the congregation. Never really rocks the boat. He's always got a, you know, a little acute joke to give in his homily. And his homilies are very folksy, very feel-good stuff. Uh, never makes people uncomfortable with the gospel. Never makes people squirm because of challenging gospel uh, teachings. It's all good. Everybody kind of just feels good when they go. And he's not a bad guy. He's actually he's a good guy, but he's become way too comfortable and a little too concerned about keeping the people happy and making sure the collection stays where he needs it to be. Anyway, that's there's really two main characters. He's the one. And the other is this uh, seminarian who comes on the scene, and he's been—he's uh, a deacon, and he's intended. His hope is to become a to priest, and he um, 
he's been sent to Jack Lemon to this pastor because this guy, this guy's got a lot of issues. This young deacon, he's uh, like not Jack Lemon's issues. He's almost the opposite of of the pastor. He's uh, really fire and brimstone, and it's never like feel good homilies. It's, he's, he lets him have it, and um, he's a really angry guy. Ultimately, a pretty obnoxious kid at points. And uh, the church sends, sends this kid to Jack Lemon, hoping that Jack Lemon will be able to kind of work with him, kind of slow him down a bit, balance him out. Um, anyway, it's not easy in the beginning. They kind of clash pretty much right away. Um, the first real example of it is uh, he gets to give the first homily that this deacon preaches in the parish. Uh, it's a big, huge crowd. It's Sunday morning, and Jack Lemon, the pastor, is sitting over there. He's got two altar servers on either side of him. And this guy gets up and rips their heads off, basically, the people. He just, he lets them have it. Um, he's wicked. He just tears into them because of their, their wealth and their lifestyle. And, you know, they're not taking the gospel seriously. And people are like, they can't, like, who is this nut? They can't believe he's... Like, where did he come from? And Jack Lemon, the camera keeps going back to him, and he's panicking. He can't believe what this, what this kid is saying. At one point, there's this, he, this is kind of a, sort of a famous line. So he's in the middle of the homily, and he's railing at the people, and he says, you know, Jesus is not impressed with all of you. As much as you think you're impressive, he's not. And he says, he's not impressed with your pink hats and your cashmere coats and your blue hair. Um... <laughs> Just like Long Beach, right? You know. Um, anyway, so Jack Lemon, the camera goes back to Jack Lemon, and you see him, he turns to the altar server, and he goes, uh, we're going to go out the back way after Mass, because it's just, he realizes he's going to get clobbered after uh, subjecting the people to this, to this guy. Anyway, they're enraged. He's mortified. And that's kind of the movie, in a way... Um, it's really about the relationship between these two characters. Actually, the Broadway play, it was only a two-character play. It was just, just these two. In the movie, certainly there are more. But it's really about the relationship between this pastor and this deacon. Um, and how they challenge each other. Neither of them are perfect. They've both very much got flaws. Very different flaws. One is desperately afraid to challenge people. And the other doesn't know how to challenge people. Jack Lemon is scared to death of rocking the boat. And this other guy wants to sink the boat. He's just crazy angry. Um, and the course of the movie, the course of the story, they, they come to respect each other. Like I said, they begin to sort of challenge each other. Eventually, eventually, the pastor gets a backbone and the deacon gets a heart. And... They kind of, they figure things out. Um, I think in a way these two characters and their personalities that I just described, the one who's desperately afraid to confront and the other one who never stops confronting, I mean, in a way, do they, do they not represent probably the two most common ways that most of us deal with confrontation having to say something difficult to somebody. It's usually it has to do with fear and anger, it seems to me. 
I'm totally afraid to deal with it, so I just avoid it, whatever it is. Or I blow a gasket, and I just I assault the person verbally because of what they've done. And neither of those work, right? I mean, we've witnessed it. We've probably done both. We've probably experienced both. Well, I think in a way, the readings this morning, they give us some direction. They give us some kind of concrete advice about how to confront people, how to not be Jack Lemmon, and how to not be the deacon, how to do it right, how to do it smart, how to do it holy. And the first thing Jesus says is you got to talk. Like if you have a problem with somebody, you've got to talk to them. You know what we're, most of us are great at? We talk about it, but never to the person. We tell everybody else around us that, this, that he's driving me crazy. Or I've had it with her. But we never tell him or her. We tell everybody else. Well, Jesus is like, no, no. That is not the first thing you do. The first thing you do is speak to the person. Just be honest. Don't be Jack Lemon. Don't be running. Don't be sticking your head in the sand. And then he's got a second piece of advice. Don't give up. Because probably round one, you're going to lose. Probably the first time you speak to this person, they're not going to hear it. They're going to push back. They're going to deny it. They're going to de defend it. They're going to be hurt by it. It's not going to go well. Most of the time, after round one, it's like, oh man, I don't think this was worth it. It may be worse now than it was before. I don't think so. Not if we pursue what he's asking of us. So the second, number one, it's you just got to talk. But then number two is, he goes, uh, if you get pushback, bring in some more people to kind of make your argument. Don't let it just be you. Get another person or two that completely is on your page and present it to this person again. Hey, you ever, you ever been involved in an intervention of some kind? Somebody's drinking too much? Somebody's drug addiction has become crazy? Whatever, some, some kind of intervention is needed. And again, very often, we talk endlessly about the person's problem to everybody but the person. But a well done intervention is kind of what Jesus is suggesting here. Get people who get it, get people who care, and speak to this person. There is strength in numbers. And then even ultimately he says, you know what? If they don't buy that, well then you do distance yourself. And that's part of the intervention process too sometimes. The person now has got a handful of people in front of them saying, your drinking is causing disaster for everybody, and the person, the drinker doesn't want to hear it, he refuses to change, well then you kind of say, like, All right, I, I can't be a part of your life. Right now, it's like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Well, that's what Jesus says, if, that's the third thing, it's like, hey, ultimately, you may have to just walk away, hopefully not. But you got to be willing to do that. But you know the most important thing? I think even more important than the you got to talk to the person principle? 
Most important is what Paul says in the second reading. It's got to be done with love. Don't go confronting somebody if anger is fueling the confrontation. Don't go confronting somebody if hurt is fueling the confrontation. Only go if love is behind it, if love is the source of it. Like if anger is driving this bus, get off the bus because it's going to be a wreck. Listen to what he says. Owe nothing to anyone except to love. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So these tough conversations that Jesus is absolutely challenging us to, don't do it if your heart isn't anchored in love of the person and love of the situation. It's like you got these two characters in this movie. We can't be the pastor. We can't be just Jack Lemon. He just ran and hid from any kind of stress. And you can't be the deacon either. He just took no prisoners. Just collateral damage everywhere that guy went. So neither of those pro approaches in and of themselves work. And you know what? I think we tend to be one or the other. I mean, I'll ask you to ask yourself. Who are you more like? Jack Lemon or the deacon? What's your instinct? What's your gut when there's an objective need to challenge somebody? What, how, do you, how do you typically go? Here's another interesting question. Look at your, well, consider your family. What's your family like with this stuff? The family you grew up in? The family maybe you married into? How do they deal with confrontation? Or do they not deal with it? Are they more Jack Lemon, Just pretending nothing is wrong? Or are they more the deacon? Just blowing up everything that comes in their path? I mean, hopefully, you know, if we're lucky, maybe we're like, well, neither. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Well, you know what? That's where we're supposed to be, it seems to me. Somewhere in the middle. I think we need a combination of these two characters. I think we need Jack Lemon's heart and the deacon's conviction. But both of them have to begin and end with love. And when you have that, it's like, no, 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 I love this person. I'm not doing this because I'm ticked off at them. Or maybe I am a little ticked off, but that's not what was driving me here. I'm concerned about them. I love this person. And I have to speak the truth. All right, well, there's the deacon. But man, I got I to gotta do it with heart. I can't rip his head off. Well, there's Jack Lemon. It's the best of both. Minus the worst of both. You know, I knew this kid, or I got to know this kid, when he was a junior in high school. And a teacher in the school, a math teacher, asked me to speak to him. Because a couple of weird things had happened to him in the course of about a week and a half. He got caught drinking beer after school one day. He had a six-pack in his backpack. And it was bizarre. He, just, he was at the bus stop, like within proximity of the school, and he cracked, op cracked open a beer. It was just like, what? Like, and it was so out of character. This kid was never in trouble. So that happens. People are puzzled by that. And about five days later, 
he steals in his homeroom. There's a, the teacher has a lamp on her desk. And he stole the lamp. Kids saw him steal it. Kids ratted him out. He admitted it. And it was like a, it was nothing. It was like a nothing lamp. Not that it would have been okay if it was a good lamp. It was just, it's like nobody, why did he steal this lamp? And this math teacher was good. Like he knew something's up. This is so not this kid. He was never in trouble. And now he's doing this like bizarre stuff. So I met up with him. And he wanted no part of it. He didn't want to talk to me at all. In fact, the first meeting, he didn't really, I mean, he just was pulling teeth trying to get, get anything out of him. I just asked him question after question, and he'd give me a yes-no answer at best. Probably met two more times, and then he kind of started to crack a little bit. He started to talk. And then it all started to make sense. It's like, and you don't need to be a shrink to connect these dots. When he was a freshman, he's a junior when I'm talking to him. When he was a freshman, his father left his mother for another woman. And he was very much aware of that. And his father had checked out pretty significantly in his life. Not totally, but very absent. And he was crushed by this. And he was furious because of it. His sophomore year, his mother meets this guy, and his mother is a mess. His mother is so wounded by the betrayal of her husband. She's not herself. She starts hanging with this guy who this kid doesn't like for, I think, valid reasons. The guy pretty much moved in. He was like living in the house. Again, not 100%, but like most of the time. And this kid was like, who is this guy? What? What is he doing in my house? I remember him describing, the kid describing, coming down for school one morning and the guy's sitting at the kitchen table smoking a cigarette and thinking like, why are you here? Resenting the fact that this guy was here. And I remember saying to the kid, hey, I don't blame you. I think you're right to be furious about that. I think you're right to be really angry at your mom. And you're absolutely right to be beyond angry and hurt at your dad. And you know what? I think he was sort of surprised that I kind of validated his hurt and his anger. I think he thought I was going to be like, well, you know, you just got to forgive dad and, you know, mom's going through a tough time and we got to be okay there. And I was like, no, no. This is messed up. You don't deserve this. You're 15. You have a right to know, have some sense of predictability in your house. And the people who matter most have an obligation to you to be there. And both of them, in different ways, had walked away from this kid. And I think in his, in his inability to communicate, he just started doing dumb things. Stealing lamps. Drinking after school. You know what it was like? He just didn't know how to confront the people who needed to be confronted. He loved them. The love piece, Paul's piece, he had that. He loved mom and loved dad, despite what dad had done. But he couldn't talk to him. I say it to him, have you spoken to your father about what he did? And he was like, kind of wouldn't even look at me. He just couldn't. And I got it. He was a kid and this was his dad, but 
He couldn't talk to him. And the way he confronted his mom, he just started getting in trouble. He was so angry at his mom for bringing this guy into the house. He just was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to make life difficult for her. I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, this is tough, isn't it? I remember thinking, I was starting to get, I knew I was going to have to talk to the mom. And I knew I was going to have to tell her about what she was doing. And how this was wrong. I'm like, this guy shouldn't be in your house. He shouldn't be living with you. And I was getting nauseous at the idea of having to confront her. I mean, this confrontation stuff isn't easy. And very often, we stink at it. We're either Jack Lemon or with a deacon. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you've got to take the best of both and toss out the worst of both. You know, uh, I wonder if anybody, when the guy, the father of that boy, started having inappropriate conversations with this woman and started lying to his wife about what was starting to happen, I wonder if any of his friends knew about it, or maybe his brother or sister. I wonder if his parents knew about it. I'm sure none of them are okay about it, with it. But I wonder if anybody dropped a hammer. I wonder if anybody spoke to that guy and said, Hey, what are you doing? You got, there's no way you can be about this. What's going on in your gut and in your head? How, could you, how are you remotely trying to justify what you're doing and the damage you are about to inflict on the people that matter most, should matter most to you. Did anybody talk to that husband and father? Or the mom, who was banged up because of what the husband had done to her? Had anybody, when she starts hanging with this guy, who was not the person to be with, and then she's got him hanging in the house and being like a husband, and she sort of wouldn't look at the look, at the, the look on her son's face, she knew what was going on. Did any, did any of her friends say anything to her? Did her mother or father or brother or friend say anything to her? Hey, I think these readings tell us we have an obligation to do this. And it's kind of serious on this level. The Old Testament, Ezekiel, he basically says this. If there's somebody in your life is doing something wrong and you don't call them out, you don't challenge them about it, then you own it then you begin to own their sin. Look what he says here. If you do not speak out to discourage the wicked from their way, he'll die for his death, the person who's sinning, but I'll hold you responsible. It's a little sobering. So if I keep my mouth shut when I shouldn't, if I'm Jack Lemon and I just look the other way, then I become responsible for things that should have minimally been said? Hey, you know what that smacks right in the face of? The culture we live in. This totally judgment-free culture. Nobody judges anybody. Hey, there isn't a quicker way for society to implode, for civilization to crumble, than when people stop saying there's right and there's wrong. There's truth. When we start saying, no, no. Your truth is yours, my truth is mine, and everything is cool. No way. No way. 
It's like, oh, don't judge. Don't, no, no. There are things we should judge. Why? Judge the heart of a person? No, we leave that to God. Judge what a person is doing? You bet. And you know what? When you see somebody who's been hurt, like that kid, you're like, man, had somebody spoken up and challenged the people in that kid's life, maybe things could have been a little different. I think we need this. We need the pastor's heart and the deacon's conviction. And it's got to be about love. Love says, love does no evil to the neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So fulfill it. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. Once again, keep an eye out for our discussion and our Q&A episodes. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week, and until then, God bless.